Good morning, afternoon, or evening, whichever it may be, wherever you are in the world, as you are tuned in to The Word Encounter, episode number 132. Let's pick this episode up in Isaiah chapter 43. And we're going to skip down here to where uh, my section uh, heading says, God's deliverance of rebellious Israel. So remember, Isaiah is prophesying out into the future. What will happen, they haven't, the people haven't experienced uh, the exile yet. They haven't experienced the defeat yet. They haven't been carried off to Babylon yet. And so uh, we have Isaiah prophesying what will happen after those things take place. And uh, we see in verse 14, it says, This is what the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel says. It says, Because of you, I will send an army to Babylon and bring all of them as uh, fugitives, even the Chaldeans in the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your king. And so God is saying that that, um, in your exile in Babylon, I am going to send you somebody who's going to defeat them and send you back to me. says, I will bring all of you back, even the Chaldeans who worship their ships. And so we're going to drop down here to verse 18. And it says, do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. And so what the Lord is saying is don't look back in the past and think that you know what it is that I'm going to do because I'm going to do something new. I'm going to amaze you. You don't even know what this situation is going to be. And he says, uh, I'll make a way for you to return home in the wilderness. You know, there'll be rivers in the desert. And so sometimes we can get into the situation where we can put God in a box and think that we know what he's going to do or what he's not going to do, who he's going to use, who he's not going to use. And we don't know. Why? Because God is God and his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so we cannot presume to know what the Lord is going to do in various situations because he is he and we are we. And so if we drop down to verse 22, it says, but Jacob, you have not called on me because Israel, you have become weary of me. And so the Lord is calling them out, essentially. He says, Look, you stop talking to me. You, you're not even looking to, to me. You know, it says in verse 23, you have not brought me your sheep for burnt offerings or honored me with your sacrifices. See, this is, you're, you're, the Lord is saying, you're not paying any attention to me. You know, <clears throat> And I, I don't know why that is, you know, <laughs> essentially, what have you done to me or what have I done to you? He says, I have not burdened you with offerings or wearied you uh, with incense. He says, I haven't put any burdens on you, yet you stop looking towards me. It says in verse 24, uh, you have not bought me uh, aromatic cane with silver or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. See, it says, but... You have burdened me with your sins. <laughs> you haven't done any of the right things, but you've done the wrong things in spades. You've burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. You've got to say, look, you have tried to wear me down with your iniquities. You burdened me with your sins. He says, but even aside from all of that, See, aside from all of the, the, the dastardly things that you've done, all of the evil things that you've committed, verse 25, I am the one, 
I sweep away your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. And so what the Lord is saying, look, he says, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for me. Why? Because the world knows that I have called you my people. And therefore, I cannot let you just perish before the world. I can't just let you uh, <clears throat> succumb and let the world see that, ah, I thought they had a mighty God. He says, so for my own namesake, I will sweep away your transgressions. Why? So that you can be in my presence. Because sin cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. And so he's going to say, he says that I'm going to wipe away your transgressions and remember your sins no more for my name's sake. In other words, you don't deserve this, but I'm going to do it anyway. <clears throat> Let's go on to chapter 44. And the section title says, Spiritual Blessing. It says in verse 44, or chapter 44, verse 1. <clears throat> and now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is the word of the Lord, your maker, the one who formed you from the womb. He will help you. Do not fear. Jacob, my servant, uh, Jeshurun. Jeshurun is another name for Israel. It says, uh, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Verse 3, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Hallelujah. So the Lord is pouring out his blessings on his people, even though they haven't deserved it. In verse 5, it says, this one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will use the name of Jacob. Still another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and take on the name of Israel. In other words, a people that has shunned God are now going to put everything of God on them. You know, it says, it says, this one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will use the name of Jacob. Still another will write on his hand. You know, I am God. Other, another will take on the name of Israel. In other words, the people of Israel will start to wrap themselves in the Lord where they had previously shunned him. <clears throat> the section head says, no God other than uh no God other than the Lord. Verse 6, this is what the Lord, the King of Israel and its Redeemer, the Lord of Army, says, I am the first and I am the last. There is no God but me. Who, like me, can announce the future? Let him say so and make a case before me, since I have established an ancient people. Let these guys declare the coming things and what will take place. You see, God is saying, look, there's no God before me. If you think they are, I think we, we went over this yesterday, if you think they are, then, then commission those guys to tell you about the future. See, Let's see what they say about the future. If there are other guys besides me, then they should know the future. Have them tell you what's going on. <clears throat> Verse 9, it says, all who make idols are nothing. It's not only calling the idols nothing, it's calling those who make them nothing. And what they treasure benefits no one. In other words, the people who make idols and the people who worship idols, what they treasure, what they value, the word is saying, or Isaiah's prophesying, that benefits no one. It has no value. It says their witnesses do not see or know anything, so they will be put to shame. Uh, let's drop down here. It says they will be put to shame. Let's go over to verse 21. 
and it says, Remember these things, Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you, you are my servant, Israel. You will never be forgotten by me. So it's like when you have children, you know, they may do some very bad things. They may even do some very evil things. But they're your children and you will never be and they will never be forgotten by you. Verse 22, I have swept away your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me for I have redeemed you. And this is a message I believe like this is this is Isaiah prophesying in the future about uh, about the Israelites but this what we have to examine when we're looking in the Old Testament and a lot of words and whatnot are being spoken uh, to the people of Israel the people of Judah you know the Israelites in general what we have to look for in my opinion is what's the principle here you know what's the principle the overriding principle that applies to everybody not just to the Jews not just to the Israelites but it applies to everybody. Why? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he's abiding by a principle, that principle is going to carry over to everybody. And in here it says, I have swept away your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. This is what's called repentance. See, if we come before a holy God and we repent of our sins, repent means to turn away, to turn away from your wicked ways, right? To turn around. Now, if we examine the word repent, re being return and pent meaning the top, you know, like in a penthouse, the top floor uh, and whatnot. And so what we have here is repent, return to the top. See, return yourself to the high place. Return to the high place. Return to the place where you were intended to dwell as a child of God. That being the high place, that being uh, a living without sin. See, that being living with righteousness and holiness and justice. You know, that's what repent means. Turn away from your wickedness, from your wicked ways, and turn to righteous ways, thus restoring yourself to the high place. <clears throat> and so this has, uh, to me, this speaks directly to that for those of us who are not Jews. It says, I have swept away your transgressions like a cloud. And your sins like a mist return to me for I have redeemed you. And so the word says when we repent, when we recognize Jesus and we repent and we turn from our wicked ways, we return ourselves to the high place, then our slate is wiped clean. It's as if we had never sinned in the first place. But this has to be done sincerely. See, this can't be phonied up or faked. This has to be a sincere returning. See, because it's not about fooling man. It's about convincing God. It's, you know, so he knows whether you're being righteous or whether you're just putting on airs trying to fool people. <clears throat> Let's go on. The next section says, Restoration of Israel through Cyrus. <clears throat> says, this is what the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb, says. He says, I am the Lord who made everything, who stretched out the heavens by myself, uh, who alone spread out the earth. So the Lord alone has done this. Verse 26, who confirms the message of his servant and fulfills the counsel of his messengers, who says to Jerusalem, she will be inhabited, and to the cities of Judah, they will be rebuilt, and I will restore her ruins. So again, this is Isaiah prophesying, you know, after the Babylonians came in and conquered Judah, destroyed Jerusalem, carried the people off, and then 70 years later, 
the the return starts. And so he's he's talking about bringing the people back um, uh, to Judah and restoring Judah's uh, ruins. In verse 28, it says, who says to Cyrus, my shepherd, he will fulfill all my pleasure and says to Jerusalem, she will be rebuilt. And so we have here uh, Isaiah prophesying that the Lord is saying to Cyrus that you are my shepherd. See, you will fulfill all my pleasure. Remember, Cyrus is not an Israelite. Cyrus is an unrighteous king, but the Lord is putting his anointing on Cyrus. Why? Because he's sovereign and he can do what he wants. And, and Cyrus is going to carry out his will. So Jerusalem, she will be rebuilt and of the temple, its foundation will be laid. And so let's go on to chapter 45. And it says, the Lord says this to Cyrus, his anointed. So even in, in the prophesying, uh, Isaiah is using the term that Cyrus is the Lord's anointed, even though he's not an Israelite. <clears throat> Verse 2. It says, I will go before you and level the uneven places. This is Isaiah prophesying what the Lord is telling him to say. And so he's saying, I, the Lord, will go before you and level the un uneven places. I will shatter the bronze doors and cut the iron bars in two. I will give you the treasures of darkness and riches from secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord. And so he's prophesying that this is what the Lord is going to tell Cyrus. He says, I will give you the treasures of darkness and riches from secret places so that you, Cyrus, may know that I am the Lord. <clears throat> and then he says in verse four, I call you by your name for the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen one. And so for the sake of the Israelites, the Lord is going to call Cyrus by his name so that they know that Cyrus is being sent of the Lord. He says, I give a name to you, though you do not know me. So the Lord is saying, is prophesying that the Lord is going to tell Cyrus, I'm going to give you a name. I'm going to make a name for you, even though you don't know me. See, this is this is uh, from Cyrus's standpoint, you know, a message and direction from the unknown God. But he's doing this so that the Israelites will know that this king is sent of me. And then it says in verse five, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God but me. I will strengthen you, though you do not know me. And so, again, all of this is going to be told to Cyrus in his time in verse in, in verse six. So that all may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is no one but me. So he's saying, I will strengthen you, though you do not know me, because I want everybody to know from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun that there is no God but me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Let's go down to verse 9. And it says, Woe to the one who argues with his maker. <laughs> One clay pot among many. Does clay say to the one forming it? Does clay say to the potter? What are you making? Or does your work say he has no hands? Verse 10. Woe to the one who says to his father, what are you fathering? Or to his mother, uh, what are you giving birth to? <laughs> Verse 12. I made the earth and created humans on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens and I commanded everything in them. 
Verse 13, I have stirred him up in righteousness and will level all the, the roads for him. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free. So again, he's talking to Cyrus here. He says, I have stirred him up in righteousness. So he has delivered a spirit of righteousness to Cyrus. And Cyrus is going to act on that spirit and level all the roads and rebuild the city and set the exiles free. Not for a price or a bribe, says the armies, uh, says the Lord of armies. In other words, he's not going to be paid to do this. He's going to be do this because this is what I'm going to tell him to do. In the next section, it says, God alone is the Savior. Verse 14, this is what the Lord says. The products of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and the Sabaeans, men of stature, will come over to you and will be yours. They will follow you. They will come over in chains and bow down to you. They will confess to you. God is indeed in, uh, with you and there is no other. And so, <clears throat> and so uh, uh, this is Isaiah prophesying to the Israelites what's going to happen in the future. When they return, they will have people that will come back with them and people that will assist them in rebuilding Jerusalem. Then we go on to, um, uh, let's see, yeah. Then we go on to verse 18, and it says, <clears throat> For this is what the Lord says. For this is what the Lord says, the creator of the heavens, the God who formed the earth and made it, the one who established it. He did not create it to be a wasteland, but formed it uh, to be inhabited. See, <clears throat> he says, I am the Lord. There is no other. So God is saying that uh, he's, you know, he's the creator of the heavens and the earth and he formed everything and he did, uh, he, he, he did not do it. Uh, so he did not create a wasteland. He created it so that it could be inhabited. Why? Because he's the Lord. In verse 19, he says, I have not spoken in secret somewhere in the land of darkness. In other words, he's saying, I'm not saying this stuff in private so that nobody can hear me. I'm yelling this stuff in public so that everybody can hear me. Why? So that they can essentially track me and see that everything that I have foretold has or will come true. In other words, God is saying, look, I am putting out there a public track record that you can examine. It says, I did not say to the descendants of Jacob, seek me in a wasteland. I am the Lord who speaks righteously, who declares what is right, who declares what is right and who declares what is to come. See, And so he's saying, I'm putting all this out there for you to see and watch so that I can prove to you who I say I am. In verse 20, it says, come, gather together and approach, you, fug you fugitives of the nations, those who carry their wooden idols and pray to a God who cannot save and, and has no knowledge. You see, you see, so they're saying, look, you're worshiping created things. Why? I don't know. But that's stupid. This is what God is saying. You know, you who carry wooden idols and pray to a God who cannot save and has no knowledge. <laughs> It says in verse 22, turn to me and be saved. Uh, um, turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn truth has, grown, uh, truth has gone from my mouth, a word that will not be revoked. What God says will not come, will not, not come true and it will not be turned over. The word says that uh, uh, my word that I speak does not return to me void. In other, in other words, it does not return to me empty. Whatever I say will take place. It says every knee will bow to me. Every tongue will swear allegiance. And this is what will happen. The Lord has spoken it. And this is what is going to take place. Uh, yes. 
Let's hit chapter 46, and this will be the last one we do today. And the title says, There is no one like God. Drop down to verse 3. It says, Listen to me, house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been sustained from the womb. So he's saying, Listen to me, everybody in Israel, listen. He says, I will be the same until your old age. I will bear you up when you turn gray. I have made you. I will carry you. I will bear and rescue you. (laughs) In other words, the Lord is saying, no matter what happens until the day you die, I will never, ever abandon you. Ever. What's the principle here? God watches over his children and he will never, ever, ever abandon you. You may choose to abandon him, but he will never abandon you. Verse 5, to whom will you compare me or make me equal? <laughs> Who will you measure me with so that, we should be, uh, so, so that we should be like each other? In other words, God is saying, look, either, you know, either out in front or, or in public or, or maybe it's subconscious or whatever, you, you're looking for something other than me. You're, lo- you're looking for what I have in something else. See, you're trying to find only what I can offer via some other means. It says, who will you measure me with? Or what will you measure me with? There is nothing. He says, who will you measure me with so that we should be like each other? <laughs> it says in verse 6, those who pour out of their bag, those who pour out their bags of gold and weigh out silver on scales, they hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a god. Then they kneel and bow to it. And so it says, you know, people, they take a, a, some gold and give it to a goldsmith and he melts it down and then he forms a God. They take it back home and then they kneel and bow to it. And so this is a created thing. Now, it might not be like that today with regard to making God-like idols, but, but we form God-like idols out of things that we purchase or things that we think. See, it's the same principle at work. And we kneel down to it. Maybe we don't get on our knees and bow down to that thing, but we kneel down and bow down to it with regards to how we behave towards it in our actions and where we place it in our list of important things. It says in verse 7, he said, They lift it to their shoulder and bear it along. They set it in its place, and there it stands. It does not budge from its place. Then they cry out to it, but it doesn't answer. It saves no one from his trouble. See, and so a lot of times this is how we treat money, right? And we try to accumulate enough of it so that we can bow down and worship it and think that it's going to take care of all of our troubles. And that's not the case. Verse 8, it says, remember this and be brave. Take it to heart, you transgressors. I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done saying my plan will take place and I will do it and I and I will do all my will. Let me read that again. It says, I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying my plan will take place and I will do all my will. If he said it, he's going to do it. He wouldn't have said it if he wasn't going to do it. He said, I have laid out a track record. I have foretold things before, and they have taken place. 
Everything that I have foretold has taken place. Those things that I have foretold and haven't happened, haven't happened yet. But they are yet to come. And the question and the issue is, do you or don't you believe it? The Lord has laid his case out, a very compelling case in my opinion, and the issue is, what are you gonna believe? Are you gonna believe the report of man or are you gonna believe the report of God? It's as simple as that. And with that, we will pick it up in chapter 47 tomorrow. Everybody, have a tremendous rest of your day. Be blessed, take care, stay safe, and praise God.